All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. This is Simone Grogan with your top stories this Monday afternoon. Woodside has been given a two-week ultimatum to avoid industrial action by workers on its offshore gas platforms in the Pilbara over a protracted bargaining dispute. Offshore Alliance on Sunday confirmed members would walk off the job as early as September 2 should an agreement fail to be reached between the union and Woodside. It comes after a meeting between Offshore Alliance and its affected members where it unanimously decided to serve Woodside a notice of proposed protected industrial action after the next bargaining meeting. The dispute centres on three platforms, servicing Woodside's northwest shelf operations in the Pilbara, where the bulk of the 150-strong workforce could down tools, according to the union. A meeting slated for Wednesday between the gas giant and the union looms as a critical juncture in the dispute, with the union saying a disappointing outcome would be the catalyst for industrial action. In other news, a nine-storey apartment block a stone's throw from Subi Strand has been endorsed again after the developer initially failed to get a time extension for a lapsed approval. The Metro Inner North Joint Development Assessment Panel today approved Wheeling Group's proposal to build an apartment project on 22 to 24 Hood Street in Subiaco. The nine-storey development comprises 50 dwellings and two commercial tenancies. The subject site, which is currently vacant, is within Subiaco's Hood Street precinct and adjacent to Finbar's seven-storey Subi Strand on 26 to 32 Hood Street. Leaderville-based Wheelink Group engaged town planners lateral planning and space collective architects for the project, which has an estimated cost of $7 million. And lastly, SQM and Mark Creasy's private investment group have backed Azure Minerals Capital Raising, which comes less than a week after the Explorer revealed it had been approached for a takeover. West Perth-based Azure Minerals is looking to raise $130 million via an institutional placement and a share purchase plan to step up exploration efforts at its Andover Lithium and Nickel project. The raising comes after an eventful few weeks for Azure, which was thrown into the spotlight earlier this month after revealing to the market that its largest shareholder, SQM, had expressed an interest in buying the company. Azure told the market that it had rejected these approaches in light of what it said was a rapidly evolving understanding of the potential of its flagship. And that's all from me this afternoon. You can read more on these headlines at businessnews.com.au. Coming up next on the podcast, Jack McGinn and Tom Zonmeyer discuss recent developments in Western Australia's energy sector. The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed. And every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA, delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit. That is, what you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success. Subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information. Welcome back to At Close of Business. I'm Jack McGinn and today I'm joined by Tom Zommeyer. Tom, how are you? Uh, pretty all right. Yourself? <laughs> Very well, thank you. It's good to be back on deck. Tom, thought we'd get you in today and have a quick chat about some of the uh, recent happenings in the world of energy supply in Western Australia. It's been a really interesting time. 
quite fascinating. You know, we we um, we have a bit of energy going around, so it's happening. Uh, stands to reason that yeah, news happens in the energy sector in Western Australia, but more so than usual. More so than usual, it has to be said. And look, you've written the latest piece on the site about um, the news out today. So what's happening at Woodside's platforms? Yeah, so this is around the um, workplace bargaining agreement that's been, uh, I guess, being nutted out really all year, but it's come to a head in the past few weeks, this threats of strike action at Woodside and um, Chevron's operations off Onslow as well, it must be said. Uh, but over the weekend, uh, members of the Offshore Alliance have met. They've agreed to... Um, take industrial action should the meeting between the union and Woodside on Wednesday not go, uh, I guess, reach a reasonable conclusion based on what those members want around some, um, I guess we're looking at better ability to know uh, ahead of time about roster changes, around less use of low-wage contractors um, and just some you know, your more general bargaining agreement and um, pay and career progression. Right. Yeah. So Wednesday looms as D-Day. Okay. Uh, it's about hundred, I think about 150 workers between those three platforms. Uh, most of them, the union says, are members. So that could lead to uh, a pretty sizable chunk of the workforce uh, downing tools. And we saw what can happen um, as a result of strike action last year at Shell's Prelude platform. Um, look, it's a really interesting situation. Uh, obviously, yeah, the union and uh, the company have been going back and forward for quite some time on things. They haven't been able to sort of seemingly reach consensus. But like you say, they're not the only one. So there's also protected industrial action ballots underway at Chevron's Gorgon and Wheatstone downstream, but also now Wheatstone platform as well which sort of followed in the footsteps of what was happening with Woodside. Um, you had same alliance applying for protected ballot action with their work and, and, and getting that through. So the, those ballots are underway as well. Potentially um, we'll get results I think it might be this week. There's, so yeah, the Chevron one, uh, uh, speaking on this morning, that's due on Thursday. Okay. So the the day after. <laughs> wow. So the results of that, of that will tell us whether... Um, whether there is potential for strike action based on the, the thoughts and feelings of, of the workers there. So, there's, look, there's heaps happening offshore of Western Australia at the moment, and all of this comes at the same time as the inquiry into the domestic gas market um, and a lot of noise just around energy supply in Western Australia. In question time last week, uh, Roger Cook sort of downplayed the potential for strike action to impact domestic gas users and said he was hopeful there was an outcome that would be reached. Obviously, these major LNG producers have an obligation to supply some of their production to the local market. Do you reckon it'll have an impact if it goes ahead? Uh, oh, look, yeah, the big operations, they do usually have systems in place to deal with these kind of disruptions. Uh, it'll have an impact. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, yeah, I don't think it's gonna. we're going to see any you know, end-of-world kind of scenarios where we don't have access to gas, where things are having to shut down. Um, but, yeah, there, there, there could be some level of supply shortages. Uh, yeah, I just don't... Yeah, I, I don't see it being a huge impact, but definitely some impact. And, hey, look, hopefully that meeting goes well on Wednesday. That would be nice. That would be a good out <laughs> outcome for all concerned. Yes, so back to energy policy and DOMGAS. So, obviously, the domestic gas agreement is that facility that's in place that requires LNG producers to set aside 15% of their production for supply to the local domestic market. 
there's an inquiry underway, a parliamentary inquiry uh, being chaired by Peter Tinley. And I sat in on the first day of that last week, uh, learnt a little bit, learnt that the requirement for 15% actually applies to the production over the lifespan of the project rather than um, on a per annum basis or any sort of measurable outcome. That was news to me and I think um, a lot of West Australians as well, we just see that 15% headline figure and we figure it's 15% all the time, but not so. All production seems to be measured on a per annum basis, really. When you look at the production figures, it's always, you know, this is what we did this financial year, this is what we did this financial year. So it stands to reason that it would be like that, but it, but it's not. Um, and I suppose that provides leverage then for producers to serve their own interests as well when uh, conditions are good overseas for the LNG stuff. And as we saw happen um, a couple of years ago when uh, energy demand in Europe was huge, um, it was much more beneficial for those producers to send that energy abroad than to supply it into a local market that really wasn't battling for supply. So that was that was the argument that was put forward. It was just an interesting little little tidbit. And stepping out of <laughs> stepping out of that first day of the inquiry and finding out that a ban had been put in place on exports of LNG from the Perth Basin. Well, not really a ban so much as a a ban on applications for exemptions which effectively translates to a ban. Um, Very technical there. You can't (laughs) turn around to the government and ask if you can have an exemption from the standard policy, which is if you're on the onshore Perth Basin, um, you're near the existing infrastructure and the gas goes into the existing infrastructure. There is one company that does have that um, exemption. Uh, It was granted back in 2021, I'd like to say, um, by the then Premier Mark McGowan under exceptional circumstances. It's Beach Energy uh, with the Weights Year 2 project. Well, sorry, Beach Energy and Mitsui. Mitsui. um, It is a joint venture. They have the exemption there, but they are the only ones and that exemption still applies. But uh, for anyone else like Strike Energy, which you know, sewed up its joint venture partner earlier that week and, you know, is, is all guns blazing in, in the region. Um, LNG's sort of been taken off the table. So uh, I believe Chris Ellison had a bit to say from Inres, um, a very interesting sort of policy change and it was done, one that was done pretty quietly as well. So um, that was interesting to see. But Tom, you've, uh, you've got the latest on, on Dom Gas. What's going on? Yeah, well, I mean, coming in it, relates back to the inquiry you went to as well so coming out of that south 32 put in a submission usually these submissions are very kind of technical and not trying to throw any punches but this one definitely was it was a pretty fiery submission from some so one of the major gas users uh in our state and of course wa does pride itself on being a place where we can attract people because of our cheap gas um but south 32 submission to that inquiry has raised a lot of concerns uh around the transparency uh in gas supply uh talking about how yeah, they can't see the quality of the gas or the amount of gas coming through the system mm. uh they've raised concerns about the gas producers and suppliers essentially just being able to set their terms and force um buyers of that gas such as South there to into accepting those terms whether they're beneficial or not to the buyers so very much running against the grain of the common narrative that's set here in Western Australia that you know we're a good place to invest because we have good cheap gas on tap. So Tom what were their uh, recommendations? 
Yeah, so they put through a bunch of recommendations, none that I think the uh, <laughs> the gas industry would really enjoy. Um, but one of them was to push the Australian energy market operator to really question producers, uh, suppliers of gas around the market risk that they purport to have in these um, commercial arrangements that they set with the um, buyers of gas. Um, they're also they've also urged a use it or lose it policy. Mm. So essentially, if there's a gas field that's left undeveloped, it's stripped from that company. Um, and uh, one of the other things which is probably much simpler to implement is just to, for the state government to use the existing tools it has to encourage more transparency around um, you know, people knowing or there being better knowledge of how much gas is available, how much reserves we have, and whether or not we're meeting those 15% targets. Transparency is a really interesting one, and it's one that's come up early in the inquiry, and I'm sure it'll be one that's ongoing. It was very interesting, though, to see that while the inquiry was ongoing that the the law was changed. Um, the Premier's office did touch on that in a statement to me and, and pointed out, you know, that the inquiries run independently of any government decisions that are made. It's something that's happening there. Look, all of this happens in a, in a climate where the, uh, the regulator, AMO... AMO? Is AMO? AMO. AMO. <laughs> Probably sounds, sounds Australian. AMO. AMO. No, very nice. All of this in a climate where the uh, electricity regulators forecasting a, a shortfall in the state by 2025. Something you really wouldn't think is possible in WA. I mean, having lived up north and seeing those huge gas, um, that huge gas infrastructure, it's like, there's no way we could ever be short of gas here. Yes, well, hopefully not. But uh, time will tell, won't it? Tom, thanks for joining me today. No, thank you. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. The latest business news, delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.